Hello and welcome to another episode of our show. Uh, as you know, we're available on Patreon, so for as low as a dollar a month, you can support us in doing what we love, and so we can give that love back to you and the content that we create. Today's guests are Chris Otundo and Martin Openda from African Retooled, a podcast based out of Kenya. Uh, they're, they're on today for our, our COVID-19 global special to share about how COVID-19 has impacted their country, as well as uh, what they've gotten out of it, and a lot of the work that they're doing in terms of reshaping how individuals see themselves and their uh, potential and their, their ability to impact their communities and their markets, their job, their workforce, both locally and globally. And this is, this is information that not only can help support people in Kenya and in Africa, but all over the world. And that's another point that we, we talk about is how we're at a, in this age of information, the age of the internet, there's so much wonderful information that can easily be accessed. All you need to do is have an open mind. And uh, I'm so thankful for them sharing their knowledge with me. One thing that I forgot to include, one fun little fact, uh, I believe uh, Martin told me, or actually, sorry, Chris, he mentioned how safari is Swahili for journey and how that, that word's been borrowed and, 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 and what it means. And I was like, oh, man, I should have included that. So anyways, thought I'd, I'd share that fun little bit. This is a wonderful episode. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. Take care. Uncut, uncensored, and unfiltered. This is an Open Mind, and you're listening to... I'm probably wrong about everything. All right, we're joined by Chris and Martin from Africa Retooled. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. Thank you for having us. Yeah, so you guys are based out of Kenya, and we started this this COVID-19 special because uh, about a year ago when these would be released, most of the world went into lockdown and it was a very uncertain time for a lot of people. And I know that when it happened, I really was just kind of thinking about my immediate sort of world, not thinking about people, you know, all around and stuff like that. And, and I thought that it would be a good way to sort of encourage people to hear from different uh, people all over the world about how their experiences have been. So you guys are based out of Kenya. How has, where you live responded to COVID-19? So I think the response has been interesting from, from last year into, into this year. There's been many shifts from different industries. Um, the country in itself, you know, started out with, with a lockdown, not just globally, but even within the country, we had lockdowns from one one city to the next city. Um, the country is divided up into counties and we have um, 47 counties. So there was a point where we couldn't travel out of the capital city, Nairobi, um, and the other city, Mombasa and Kisumu. So traveling across those was, was completely prohibited because those were sort of, of hot zones. Nairobi being the main the main port of entry for most international flights. So that, that was closed up pretty quick. Um, and you know, the, the economy you can imagine then took quite a hit. 
Um, most businesses also responded well, uh, getting their people to stay home, getting their people to, to you know, just take care of themselves wherever they were. Um, insurance didn't kick in for quite a while. And so some companies were trying to help out people who were getting sick, um, trying to help them out with, with paying off some of the bills. But it was tough. It was a really tough time um, through that process and just not, not knowing what to do, how long this will last. Um, I mean, that, that was the one thing that was fluid across the globe. We, we had no idea when this will end, uh, yeah. when we'll see our, our loved ones again and, and, you know, all of that. Yeah, like what's the next step going to be? Because mm -hmm. Na Na Nairobi and Mombasa, those are like the, the economic sort of centers of Kenya. And Correct. kind of for most of Africa too, if, if, if I'm not mistaken, like Kenya is the richest country in Africa. Is that true? So not, not quite, not okay. quite. I wish we were. So Kenya is, is an economic powerhouse. It's, mm -hmm. It is the biggest economy in East Africa. So, East, so okay. Africa, Africa is, that, is divided into four, five portions. So you have the West Africa, North Africa, then you have Central Africa, then you move into East Africa and South Africa or okay. Southern Africa because South Africa is a country on its own. And so South Africa is the biggest economy um, on the continent. Right. Uh, second is, is Nigeria, also by population. And then, you know, Kenya, East Africa. But, you know, Egypt is also a, a bit more of an advanced African economy. Um, so if you look at the, the port of entry into the Eastern and Central Africa region, then you have the port of Mombasa mm -hmm. being our shipping route. And that's a very important route coming down from China into the rest of the continent. Right. Um, so we come before the port of East London, and, and Durban in Southern Africa. And so it's that important route from the East, the trading route, and then coming from the West, the, the important trading route would be through Cape Town and then coming up down into East Africa. So we are an important uh, hub from a communication standpoint yeah. into the rest of the continent. Um, so I think we're the fourth largest economy, um, if I'm not wrong, but I stand to be corrected on, on that. Um, South Africa being the first. And, and, and my apologies, my, my knowledge of, of the African continent in terms of politically and economically is really just not where it, where it should be. So if I no, say something... No, Robert, it's, it's totally fine. I think that's, that's why we're having a conversation today so that your, your listeners and, and everyone really can, can learn a little bit more about something they don't know. Yes, so, exactly. Um, some interesting stats I was looking at before I came into the call. So Africa is actually United States... China, India, parts of Western Europe combined in terms of size. Right. 30 million, 30, 30 million kilometers squared. And I don't know how, how many of those are in, in miles, miles squared. From, but from Northern Africa to South Africa. Yes, from yeah. Northern Africa to Southern Africa. It's actually very large in terms of expanse. And um, again, Kenya being just one country is very different in, 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 in some ways from... Nigeria from South Africa, cultures are different. So within Kenya alone, we have over 50 tribes. And tribes are just, um, I, I don't know what the equivalent would be in the States, but different towns within Texas that would have different cultures and probably even different language. Um, yeah, so it's quite, it's quite interesting. It's quite diverse in terms of uh, culture and, 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 ex and experiences, if you like. I think, um, and 
I'm, I'm gonna try a comparison here, but in, in America, there were the indigenous Americans that lived here before right. colonizers, settlers came. Exactly. And, and when the, you know, when they first came, they're like, oh, these are Indians thinking that it was India that they had landed on. Cause they're obviously not very, you know, exactly. they're thinking myopically, of course, exactly. but what they were seeing was not one unified people. It was a myriad of nations. And that's right. why in Canada, we call them first nations. So when we talk about tribes, it's like each tribe is a distinct nation unto itself, much like Scotland and England or Germany and yeah. Austria are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, in, so in Africa, it would be, it's interesting because there's a nation called Kenya, but even within Kenya itself, we actually have tribes, which again, for, 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 for foreigners, it's interesting when you come in and you can't particularly tell the difference in terms of even physique, but we living here, can actually tell you this this guy is from that tribe based on the color based on the just small little nuances right. and we can even go further and tell you this guy looks like a southern african this guy looks like a west african just by little subtle things it's funny because british accents are like that you can based on their accent you can kind of find out what street they're from because there's so many nuances in, in how they speak. Absolutely. Whereas when I talk, people are like, where are you from? Because I really like to enunciate my vowels. You know, like, right. that's right. how Canadians speak or right. Western Canadians. Now, right. the other thing about that is the borders of, of nations, right? For example, the border of Kenya, it's, it's kind of arbitrary because the nations that, or excuse me, the, the tribes that live there, they weren't confined to the borders of Kenya, much like, unfortunately, Westerners like myself, who are uneducated on the matter, they thought, okay, so Kenya is just relegated to this area, but really the, 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 the various tribes, they were going in between there, right? Like they weren't confined to the contemporary borders of Kenya. So that, that, that would have changed. I mean, you will definitely have um, people at the border who would have similar cultures because of proximity, even right. possibly language. But administratively, they have different countries. And therefore, even if we were similar in terms of um, language or, 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 or even culture, we will not be allowed to just cross over. You'd actually have to go through a proper... Um, border patrol or I don't know equivalent immigration control, and and the minute you cross over, then everything else is different. You're in a different country. Yes. So the borders actually are now very well defined. Yes. Thanks to thanks to someone someone in the past. And 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 what I meant, sorry, is that for example, back to indigenous uh, Americans, that if you're Blackfoot, which was the name of the nation, you your tribe was literally split between. Mm -hmm. America and Canada. So yeah. this artificial border comes in and you're like, well, hold on. My, my traditional land is over there and I have Correct. to cross this artificial border. So mm. that's kind of what I meant that. Yeah. 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 You know. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's correct. I, I think that's probably still happening, um, but maybe over time, then you yes. kind of eventually settled back into the, 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 the artificial border. And you're like, this is now my new country. Yeah. My whole family has probably moved over. So I think over time that happens. Yeah. Have, has, has Kenya as uh, like politically, have they ever tried to sort of renegotiate their borderlines as, as, you know, as a mm. sovereign nation? 
I think it's an interesting question. I think um, there's tussles here and there. I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, recently we we heard that Kenya was tussling with Uganda, which is our neighbor, about us yeah. a little a little island, um, Migingo Island, was it, Martin? Yeah, correct. Um, in Lake Victoria. Yeah, there's been times when we're tussling with um, with certain people at the coast about um, the sovereignty of people living at in Mombasa and, and them saying that they feel that they're supposed to be separate. So I think over time, some of these things are still settling in, but to a great extent, a lot of them are settled. Mm. But yes, every so often you will hear, and it's, not, and it's interesting, it's, it's some of the issues at the border around um, cattle, cattle rustlers. Okay, yeah. The people trying to, to, to come and steal cattle from a tribe that's probably cross-border so it's it's still some of those tri- some of those um, border um, um, communities are are still fighting about little mm-hmm. little things about land. So while while administratively as a country you've decided this is indeed the border, the natives st- still feel this is still our land. We used to access it, like you said. So so yes, there's still tussles here and there. Okay, yeah. Now, going back to the, the COVID-19, and you'd mentioned about uh, Nairobi and Mombasa, those being kind of the hot centers, the, the epicenters of where this happened based on trade. You know, we saw that with Italy and New York, where there's lots coming in, you know, whatever it may be, that was it. Now, how did the rest of the country sort of respond afterwards? Was Did it spread really quickly? And were they able to sort of shut it all down? Or, or what was mm-hmm. the response? Yeah. So like Martin said, initially, uh, considering that these, these two towns are indeed the, the main entry points, yeah. um, there, were, there were significant spikes, especially in Nairobi and Mombasa. And so initially the country was trying to contain it by controlling travel mm. into these other counties, which had not experienced that much, um, uh, had not seen that many cases. But over time, you know, with humans, you, you can't contain them for too long. Yeah. So while while the country tried to contain it, at some point they lifted the, the ban. And so we began to see the numbers now mm. increasing across the country. Right. So like Martin said, I mean, everyone, no one really thought this thing was going to stay with us long term. Yeah. I mean, some, probably the scientists knew, but we were all being optimistic and thinking, surely there's no possible way yeah. this thing is going to be with us a whole year. But it stayed with us. Well, so yeah, the, over time the country it, it's just permeated, and so now I mean you know the science of this this um, vac, um, pandemics. It's now in the community. It's with all of us now. So, mm-hmm. but I think Nairobi still remains Nairobi and Mombasa still remains the epicenter in terms of numbers. Now, for for yourselves, how have you guys and your families responded to to COVID nineteen? What have, have you gotten any? Have you learned anything from it? Um, no, Martin. Well, yeah, I'd say it's been an interesting journey. Um, we've all had our different um, run-ins, <laughs> let me put it that way, with 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 the pandemic. Um, I I I was traveling during in March. Uh, just came back into the country from New York, and it was I quarantined for 20, 25 days. Right. Uh, so just just myself and my wife, and so that was interesting because you know you've you've come from traveling for a long time. Normally, your family would expect to see you, yes. um, you know, see you know what was happening out there and, and all of that. But then they couldn't, and and so when they came over, you could only see me, you know, from from 
you know, outside the apartment yeah. and you're talking over the balcony to people who you'd normally be sitting down and sharing a meal with. Um, but over time, you know, all of us have sort of um, been able to take care of each other mm. and um, restrict access, let's say, to to our parents, restrict access to um, the older folks in our families and even to each other. Um, you know, we... I think we we were seeing each other possibly after August, July, July, August there. That's when we were actually meeting in, in person per se. Um, so we, we really tried to to keep it that way. We, we we are lucky in the sense that we have had things like delivery services have really grown in the country. Um and so you have a lot of your 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 um your groceries being able to be delivered to you. You have farmers who are able to to come together, congregate, and and ship um, you know products across the borders um, of the counties. And then when they get here, um, retailers are able then to to ship them off to you as you order. And so that was already infrastructure that was there before COVID, but now it became almost an essential service. Yeah. Um, and you know they were the ones who were allowed to operate outside our curfew hours. Um, they were the ones allowed to operate, you know, from from neighborhood to neighborhood, and and so that helped us a lot. In as far as we didn't need to go to the supermarket, that's we could order in and it comes through. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, you, you see that a lot globally, right? These things that were once kind of nuanced and oh, that's cool. I can get skip the dishes. You know, <laughs> now it's like I ha- th- th- that's my only option. I can't leave my house. Yes. Yeah, because exactly twenty five day quarantine. I mean, my is is that what it is just nationwide for Kenya? Is twenty five? No, no, days? no, 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 no. It it's it it was because that time we had very little information about the disease, right? And we kept right. hearing, you know, it could be fourteen days, it could be twenty one. Yes. So you know, we decided to be extra cautious, yeah, and just say, you know, we're the ones who traveled. We don't want to bring this disease to anyone else. And so what what the country was doing was when you come in. Um, you need to, you know, the general check you up, you know, take your biometrics and they would call you. The Ministry of Health would call us um, yes. every other day to find out, have, do you have any symptoms now? Um, and, and so what they were doing shortly after was anyone who came in had to go for a mandatory 14-day quarantine in a government facility. Mm. Um, luckily, we just missed that. Uh, but up to today, what, what happened then was they designated hotels yes. where you'd pay some sum and you'd be able to stay there for 14 days. Um, that has changed now, of course, looking at um, needing you to have a PCR test that's digitized, and there's a digital certificate which is issued, and that's how you can travel through the territory of Kenya. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, and Robert, I think interesting for your, for your audience to learn about this, this region, at least Kenya, we've, we've actually not experienced it as bad as other countries are experiencing it mm. in our yeah. um, so Just to give you a sense as to the numbers. So we're looking at in total um, since the beginning, the, the recorded numbers are about 104,000 cases. Okay. And those 85,000 have, 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 have recovered. And in terms of deaths, you're looking at only about 1,800. Right. 1,800 compared to some of the nations that we, I mean, you know what it's like in some of the other countries. Yeah. So what that then translates to is that on the ground, and, and, and there's some reasons why it's, it's like that. We have a much younger population in mm-hmm. Africa generally. Um, um, 
Number one, um, I th we, we like to joke that um, um, Africa sometimes has been left behind so many times. For once, God is being kind and <laughs> not letting this pandemic take Good. a hold. Take a, take a hold. But yeah, so so for, for <laughs> once, for once, um, um, we've there's, there's, it's interesting that it's not as been it's not been as bad. So you will see then at the beginning, everyone while everyone was a bit scared about the disease, yes. over time, at least in Kenya, the um, the fear has reduced. We've kind of learned how to manage it. Um, people around us, some some relatives have indeed gotten COVID and recovered, and it wasn't as bad. Uh, we have lost some friends and, and family, but over time, the numbers are, are not justifying people hiding themselves in the house. Yes. Yeah. So it's not as bad as uh, what we're, we're hearing and seeing with our friends out there in the West and in the East. Yeah. Um, to a great extent, we're still having small, small get-togethers. We're still trying to wear the masks where we can. Little um, Bars are indeed open, um, but we have the curfew from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. You want to talk about the curfew? <laughs> well, I was, I was just going to say, it's funny how here the bars are open, but I can't drink a beer with my friend in my backyard, right? Oh, you really? can't have anybody over, but I could go to a bar and, and, you know, and meet with them. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like you start to see, okay, there, there's a piece of this that we need to preserve our economies, yes. right? That's why they have certain, you know, they have restaurants open, but you can't have people at your house. It's, it's the sort of uh, risk reward uh, <laughs> aspect of it, right? And, and again, yeah. this is kind of talking about going into your show, Africa Retooled, and looking at co economies because globalization is a thing. We now mm -hmm. are in this sort of market, this world, GDP, where we're all contributing something. So if right. we all just individually just, okay, that's it. We're not trading with anybody. Uh, you know, I can only live off maple syrup for so long. Great. Right? <laughs> you know, we, we, we're all contributing you know, we've sort of, we're, we're stepping into this strange singularity of markets where we need everybody, right? right. At least right. Western countries need everybody. You sort of see what I'm saying? There's, there's, there is a dependency. There's no question about the fact, I mean, we talk about Thomas Friedman's The World is Flat. Mm. Um, we indeed are a flat world today. Um, yes. Today, for instance, we talk about East Africa being the the heart of financial services in the world. Yeah. So when you come to Kenya one day, Robert, you'll see something called M-Pesa. M-Pesa is a, is, a, is, a, is a platform that allows you to transact. Um, I'd go into a store and just send money to the, the, the till through my phone. It's like you have a mobile wallet. Right. And we have new tons of those apps in the country. And it's, it's really the, the heart of, of financial services. And the skill set sitting here is serving the globe. We were consulting for Facebook, consulting for for Google, if you like. So the world has become and and and, mm. and and opportunities have now opened up. Sitting in Nairobi, I can access a course in in in, in Carnegie Mellon, and and not have to to go there. Yeah. So I could learn I could learn anything sitting here. You and I are talking thousands of miles apart right now, and we're exchanging ideas. That wasn't very possible a couple of years ago. So um, the world is indeed becoming smaller, but more importantly, the opportunity to 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 to, to leverage the economic opportunities mm. has also increased, and it's also becoming flat. You don't need to you don't need to you don't need to leave Kenya to enjoy 
certain certain things um, and certain economic benefits. Um, so African Retooled is 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 riding on that concept where we're saying the continent for the longest time has only looked to the West and the East to learn about the future. But this is one time when we feel um, the, the, the continent can indeed share it in its stories and prepare itself for the future and, and share in its and its ideas and and and, and prepare itself for the future. So the future of when and, and I love how you described it of it's Africa Retooled is a podcast about rethinking, reimagining, not just in Kenya, but around the world, how to rethink where you are right. immediately, where where you are, right? Right. Right. And, exactly. and, and the importance of that is because we're starting to see the power of one. We're all starting to see that we individually, we contribute to a great collective, right? right. But, but we're, all, we're all in this. We all have something to offer. And there's a fusion that's happening, I think. Like, yes, I'm Canadian and, you know, I'm a Western Canadian, I'm from BC, but again, I'm getting influences from all over the world that is kind of creating my identity, both economic and individual. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. What, what, what do you guys think about that in, in terms of the sense of there's becoming a fusion of sort of who we are and what we are globally? I think, I think because of, because of the proliferation of technology mm -hmm. today, what I consume is global. Yes. I don't consume necessarily Kenyan content. So my when you talk about maple syrup, it's not a foreign concept to me. It's something we, it's in my stores. If when you talk about pop culture, there's nothing. There's while there's Kenyan pop culture, mm -hmm. there's also global pop culture now. Yeah. We all understand who Beyonce is. We all know Trudeau very well, and we, we, we whenever there's a scandal between him and Melania. We all consume it and we talk about it. Right. You know? Right. It's Trump. Not, yeah, Trump. Yeah, it's not Canadian stories, it's global stories. Yes. Whenever the Ayatollah does something, it's it's we're all consuming it, we're talking about it. So it's 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 an interesting place in the world we are in today because we are we're all consuming the same stuff because technology has made it so easy. And, and um sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, no, you carry on Dr. What? I was just gonna say, and, and and it's it's less abstract than it was before. Like now, for example, I was talking to a guy from Nigeria and there's been quite a bit going on there politically. And it's like, it's almost like, I feel like I'm closer to it than if it's on the news and it's like, okay, here's 30 seconds of what's happening over here. It's more like I'm talking to this person who is involved in this, right? right? I'm not so distanced from it. I'm actually, I have a sense of it. I have a feel for it. I have a connection. To it. And, and, and I think what what is um, we 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 are followers of a, an interesting philosopher Yuval Harari, mm, and he talks about guy. he talks about he talks about um, pandemics in his book, and and one of the things that he says is things like um, things like diseases and, and and pandemics need to be talked about globally. A country can't be nationalist about a disease, so yeah. Trump can't build a wall and protect Americans. Yeah. Because at some point, he's going to get into contact with someone from Canada who will spread the disease to Japan, who will spread the disease to India. So you need to take care of the world when it comes to pandemics. When you talk about AI and, and its impact of the workplace, you can't talk about 
just Canada and, and your, 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 your preparedness for the, for the workforce. You need to talk about it globally. Technology is going to disrupt the workplace globally, period, not just Canada. Right. So can you take it? Because if you take care of the Canadians and the Kenyans are struggling, they'll find a way to come into Canada because that's the only place there's opportunities. So yeah. the minute you um, the globe, then everyone's settled in and, and, and we can live comfortably. But if you take care of yourself alone, so the world the world is flat. You cannot live alone. Yeah. You cannot live in a cocoon. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, Trump, his policies were very nationalistic, right? Like, I'm going to make America great again. Well, hey, man, newsflash. We're at a point in history when we have to make everybody, you know, we have to raise everybody up. Right. Because yes. if you if you win, I win. Like we're all, it, it's it's a back and forth. If I we mean, can share our prosperity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, talk, talk, talk about talk about um, climate change. That's not a, yes. an American problem. No, yeah. uh, that's a global problem. Yeah. So we need to be sitting down and talking about what we need to do today to curb, uh, to stop, to, to slow down the impacts of the, 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 the global, the global um, the climate change. We need to figure out a global solution. Because we, we are seeing global uh, global climate refugees now. We're starting to see this. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. you're seeing what's happening in Texas this week. Exactly. Last, that's just crazy, guys. People, things, things that we never imagined would be happening in this time and age. People, hundreds of thousands of people, no electricity for days on end, cook, flushing toilets with, with, with snow. And it's, it's crazy. I think uh, what COVID has sort of taught me as someone living in the West who lives a very comfortable life, right? And, and I take things for granted, unfortunately, is just how vulnerable we really are. As humans. As humans, as humans, right? Like we are fighting each other for toilet paper. I mean, how insane is that, right? And, and I think that a big part of this, and again, which is why I love podcasts and your podcast in particular, is this awakening of consciousness. Mm. We're coming to a point when we are seeing our power as individuals. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. if you, so maybe my vote, you know, my vote isn't the same as Jeff Bezos's vote in terms of his ability to lobby or something, not saying he does. I'm just, sorry, Jeff Bezos, I'm using you as an example. <laughs> but, but you vote with your wallet and you vote with your time. Right. So if a business does something like, I don't know, H&M, and they release something stupid, mm-hmm. well, they need my money. Correct. So if I just stop purchasing their stuff, you know, I don't need to go on Facebook and look at me, look at me, right? I stop purchasing their stuff. That is having an impact on them, mm-hmm. you know, as individuals. Yep. And we are seeing our influences on markets. You saw the recent, the re- the recent story around, uh, what is Reddit? Yes, GameStop. Yeah. Yeah, GameStop. GameStop. GameStop yeah. was, uh, was, that was, that was that was a that was a turning point. Yes. Yeah. Now, okay. So, do you, like, like, what was your understanding of what happened with that GameStop crash? I mean, it's just um, uh, the, the the masses finally figured out the the, the game. Yeah. Literally, GameStop. Isn't that like the yeah. irony yeah. of the name? Oh, that, yeah. You're stopping the game. The game. we have the power we have a say and mm-hmm. i was like when you when you speak to politicians for example you're talking about texas 
and Ted Cruz is like a senator there or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He left to Cancun. Like, yes, Ed, sorry, go ahead, Chris. No, I saw that. I saw that. I mean, he yeah. was going on holiday when when everyone is struggling. Yeah, and, and for you to be able to do that, there has to be a psychological disconnect. You see your people in peril. And again, talking to that consciousness waking up piece, people are seeing that and they're like, you do not, you clearly do not represent me. And I think that that's what that's we need true. from our politicians. Yeah, and that's true. The funny thing is, I feel like politics is also the other thing that makes the world flat because mm. politicians in the West, politicians here on, on the continent are the same. They get to the place where, as you're saying, there's that psychological disconnect um, that really doesn't put them on the ground. So they live in the country, but they, they, they don't really live the country. Um, in the sense that, you know, they can see injustices happening. They know that they're the ones who have the power to change this. But because they're secure in the little bubble, in the little um, Cancun, in the little um, Mombasa, or wherever it would be. Yes, yeah. Um, so so they, they feel like, as long as I'm secure, that's a you problem. It's not a me problem. Right. Um, you know, for instance, here, one of those, those the major things that have has been hampering us is education and healthcare. And you have a lot of times where um, those people in office would be shipping off their loved ones to either the East in India or to the West in the US um, or the UK for, for medical treatment. And these are the people with the ability and resources to actually change um, the healthcare system in the country. But because they're living in this bubble, um, where they're actually able to take their people out for, for, for treatment, then nothing ever changes on the ground. Uh, but, you know, when you, when you look at examples like our neighbor um, to, the, to, the, to the west here, Tanzania, um, he mandated that, that all government officials get treatment locally. Mm. What does that mean? That I can't live in my bubble anymore as someone who can change, who can invoke change and has the resources to actually invoke change. So I must then be able to, to, to bring this change to the people because if I'm getting it for myself, everyone must get it. And which is going back now and look at it from a macro perspective that you, we, we are no longer looking at things as a nationalistic issue. It's more a global, not just a Pan-African issue. It's a global issue. And, and you know, hope, we are hoping that, that more of these um, political agreements so there'll be political goodwill rather for for economic agreements that are, are coming up to be more bipartisan and actually aiding both sides um, so you have a lot of agreements with with countries in in east africa with countries in in the west um, where traditionally it's been more the west benefiting from these treaties and these agreements um, but you know that's that's slowly changing as we are now waking up. The people are now waking up and saying, "Hey, hold on, we own these resources, and we can actually say no to them being moved or being uh, taken advantage of um, in ways that are not beneficial to us." And it's starting from that micro person, that that me, that you, um, that shopkeeper who decides to only stock um, goods from a certain manufacturer because of their practices you know, and then that can grow and, and that can then impact. It's more like a bottom-up um, uh, change process rather than a top-down. And I feel right. like, 
you know, technology is helping and aiding in that. Um, we, we, we are learning more from our little cell phones. Um, we're getting a lot of information on our cell phones that are helping us make these decisions. So data-driven decisions are no longer uh, privy to, to CEOs. Um, you know, anyone can make decisions because the data is available to you to be able to crunch out and, and, and churn out um, decisions made, made, made from this data. And like, as you were saying that, it made me think of um, during the Cold War, you know, there was Russia and there was America, you know, capitalism versus communism, and they couldn't fight each other because if they did, they would, you know, they just nuke each other. It's a game over. Yeah, game over. So they had all these proxy wars, like the Vietnam War. They were, wor America was worried about communism coming in, right? Yes, Guatemala in 1954, the CIA organized a coup in Guatemala. And the guy who was, was democratically voted in uh, wasn't even communist. He was a socialist guy, socialist politician. But they overthrew him in 1954. Now, that was in 1954. In 2021, a U.S. government couldn't get away with that. Because of internet oh. and technology and information, people would find out and they would be like, you know, what the hell is this? And it would be over like that. And I think that, that Martin, you were kind of mentioning this point of as individuals, as humans, we're receiving information that can better inform our decisions. And I think that that is kind of what COVID has sort of helped us do is we've sort of retreated into our cocoons for a little bit. And we could only watch so many cat videos before we're like, hey, you know, maybe I should kind of read about what's going on in the world. For example, yeah. like last year, I, I, I read so much, like I read Sapiens by Yuval uh, Harari. Uh, Harari. And I was like, it was like mind, mind opening, mind opening. Mind so opening. What, what was for, for you guys as individuals, what was your sort of aha moment that you're like, okay, hold on. I'm not thinking like that anymore. I'm thinking individually. I think for us, we've 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 constantly. I don't know. It's by virtue by virtue of um, our exposure. Uh, we we Martin and I have been very fortunate to to study abroad. Mm. Uh, I've lived in France. Martin has lived in South Africa. Has lived in Malaysia. So we've been very fortunate, and to travel, we've traveled to the West as well a couple of times back and forth. So we see we don't see ourselves as Kenyan citizens. We see ourselves as global citizens. Right. And so. Um, what then that means is that you begin to, your mind is, is, is not limited by what the little things that are happening and the little things that are exposed to you. Africa and Kenya, I mean, Africa has constantly been, been pictured or narrated as a place with only bad things happening. Mm. So we, and because we know what drives the world, we know that a CNN and, I mean, again, and no, no offense to CNN, I love them uh, to bits, but all these media houses thrive on having stories which will be, um, which will be sensational. Yes, sensationalism, right? Yeah, and yeah. so we understand that. We understand it's business, it's, it's commerce that's driving their behavior. So we will not then let their stories and whatever it is that they throw at us define how we think. So we've always, and, and Martin, correct me if I'm wrong, we've, we've always had our own way of thinking and, and, and and challenging status quo, we challenge and we know that um, 
there's been injustices that are meted upon Africa in the past. And if you read history, there's been injustices. Yeah. Um, and it's also business fair game. You were smarter in, in, the, in, the, in the negotiation table. You came with, you've watched, you've read Guns, Jumps and Steel. Yes. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's fair game. You had better technology at some point. So you come through, I'll, I'll raise my hands and you take my, you plunder. So it's, it's just about, so the world is now, I think there's, there's an evolution going. And, and everyone has gone through that um, stage where at some point the Spanish were the, the greatest um, conquerors. At some point the Italians, the Romans were the, so it's just a cycle. And so yeah. long as you think like that, as long as you think broadly, then you don't get, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't limit yourself. You know, like, that's such a great point. And I love that quote. I'm going to steal that quote from you, but I'll, I'll cite you, of course, Chris, <laughs> but commerce drives behavior. Yeah. And that's like, if you look at history, you know, you're right. Economics, whatever the, you know, be it religion, be it free markets, right. That is what drives behavior. And that's what's kind of dictated sort of the path that we go on. For example, like uh, uh, we, we talk about humanism, but a lot of people, you know, we can't help but talk about race, you know, black, white, Asian, whatever it may be. But as long as I'm thinking just about, you know, uh, white people or Asian people, but not thinking about people in general, I will always be stuck. Absolutely. You, you, you'll never get ahead if you're just thinking about your quote-unquote race. And that's why we need to start thinking on a, hu on a humanistic level. Like you say, you're a global citizen. You're right. We're all global citizens. But if we keep just thinking, we do have to think about the local, right? But we do also, in order to benefit the local, we have to include the global. Yeah. And I, and I think for me, um, being a proponent of diversity is... Mm -hmm. Think about how many things you miss out on when you lock out a different yes. demographic. Yeah. Maybe my maybe my maybe my soulmate mm. is a Chinese sitting in Myanmar or sitting in uh, in, in, in in America somewhere. Mm. Just because I I'm, I'm, I've locked my mind to the fact that I don't want to hear I don't want to hear from anyone who's different from me. Maybe that one idea. Maybe the person who could really love me. Yeah. Is is from a different race. Yeah. Think about, I think, and why I admire America is because America has been able to leverage the diversity of its people. Mm. So today at, at NASA, I'm told, <laughs> I'm told Mandarin is one of the, 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 the formal languages there. Mm. Because you're like, you can't do, you can't, you can't do away with the Chinese. These are the, these are some of yeah. these guys are really close. This is a future. Look at, look at, at the helm of, uh, the helm of, um, of Microsoft. It's an Indian. Right. I mean, this guy's a leader. He's amazing. He's he's a visionary. Had 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 um, Bill Gates locked himself to, to 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 his his white uh, white uh, yeah the white people, then he'd limit himself in terms of finding a leader who can run, who he can hand over the company to. I mean, I think you can. And think that's many that's a thesis statement. One of the thesis statements of Guns, Germs, and Steel is if you're just going to have this, you know, exclusive group. Well, guess what? You're going to get your ass kicked in the future because uh -huh. people are going to be sharing ideas. And do you think they're going to include you? No, yeah. because you are exclusive. And that's kind of what we've seen in revolutions, you know, like King Louis the 14th. He got his ass kicked because yeah. he were, wasn't were listening. Themselves. Yeah, they weren't listening. Yeah. Is it Maria? Is it uh, Maria Antoinette uh, was the wife? Yes. 
Yeah, and she 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 was living her life hoity toity. Mm -hmm. The people couldn't take it. They didn't have food. Yeah. And and when when we don't listen, like and that's why we are living at truly like we're living in the Star Trek of society. You know Star Trek how they had all these different like you know, we're all just trying to figure this out, right? Mm -hmm. We're getting to that point where we're seeing that you know, we have we have to work together because if we don't, we will destroy ourselves because that's the path that we're going on. And which his is mother... Why, which is why, Robert, the fact that you reached out to us, I mean, the minute you reached out to us, we're like, great, amazing. I mean, it's it's always so rare to find people reaching out across mm -hmm. border to get insight. So kudos to you, man. I mean, that's oh, just amazing. It's very noble. For sure. Well, kudos to you guys for the, you know, the work that you're doing. I mean... Like I said, we're global citizens here, right? Absolutely. You know, like we've, I, I was talking to an indigenous leader and uh, he's an MLA where I live. And he's saying that, okay, so the past has happened and yeah, it pisses us off. But now we're, we're inseparable. We're at right. this moment in history where we can't divorce, right? I don't know if you guys are married, but you know, I, there you go, right? You get to this point where it's like, we have got to work together. If we don't, it's decimation. We yeah, both lose. And you know who prospers are the lawyers when we divorce, by the way. But anyways, you know, yeah. we, we have to work together. And that's why the internet, I mean, we're, we're experiencing an evolution right now in human, human history with the internet. Right, right, right. I mean, we're one. One. Yeah. How has, so my, my last question for you guys, and, and we ha we've, we've got to do this again, is how has the internet helped to, you know, expand the work that you guys are doing? Because it's not just Kenya that you guys are influencing. Absolutely. Martin, talk to, talk to him about our numbers, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so. And where we're where we being listened to. And so, so funny enough, we have, there are many ways to look at this, this question. So Chris and I have, have engaged in, in discussions for a long time, and there have been discussions that are between him and I, and we are both talent acquisition experts. And, and so what we were seeing was that there was, there was a huge gap between the talent we were finding and the, the need for that talent or the type of talent needed by organizations. And we thought, you know, what can we do about this? And so we said, we're having these small conversations, but now things have changed so much because of technology, mm. we're able to, to set up our own, um, let's call it a radio show or a, a radio station and be heard by a lot of people. So yeah. we're, we're letting people eavesdrop on our conversations and we can talk to other people who are even more knowledgeable about this and have people um, listen in. And the only thing that stops this message from getting anywhere is someone's interest. It's, yes. not, it's no longer about a geographical boundary. Yeah. So we, we are completely boundaryless. And so if you, if you have an interest and you have a question that you're asking yourself about what is, you know, how, how are leaders in Africa or in Kenya dealing with a crisis? African Retooled has something for you. Right. And you could be sitting in, in India and, and asking yourself that question. And we have provided now 
that answer and put it on the internet and you can access it. Before you might have to have thought about, okay, who's my network in Kenya? Yeah. Who can I call? Um, what's the cost of a call um, into this region? Um, look at look at this conversation we're having. We could not have had an hour conversation yeah. um, a few years ago on the telephone because of the cost. This is costing us almost nothing yeah. to do this. And it's video. It's not just a, a telephone call. And, and you know, we are able to, to do this. We grew from, from our first episode, I think, the first time we ever did anything. First day, we had about 30, 30 downloads um, in, the, in the first week. It grew, to, it grew to about 70. And now on, on first day of release, most of the time we have about 150 uh, downloads and it grows 500 um, in about a week's time. Currently we have now, we've been listened to by 9,500 people uh, globally. We have a huge chunk of people in the US listening in. We have people in the UAE. We have people um, down in South Africa. We have people in, in, in Uganda, Tanzania. We have people in India listening into us. We have people in Australia mm. listening to us. Japan, bro. So, people in Rome. Um, so it, it's All really, strange places. Yeah, very strange places. Like when we look at yeah. our, our statistics, you're like, wait, yeah, who's listening at this place? You know, and how did they know about this? It's because the internet is simply I type in a question and I'll get an answer. Mm. It doesn't matter who's answering. African Retool is one of the answers. And we pop up there, you know? And 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 so I I consume that answer. Doesn't matter where it came from. From a long time ago, it would be, uh, I need to get the answer from this place. Now we just type the question. Doesn't right. matter where it's coming from. I'll consume it and I'll decide then moving forward how to make use of this information that I'm getting. What What yeah, is I mean, the... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. No, no, I was just going to say, Martin, you have a listener in Kuwait. You have a listener mm-hmm. in Lebanon, Turkey, South Korea. Mm. I was hoping to see North Korea here, but no. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Their, their internet regulations might be a little more stringent. Yeah, they are. <laughs> now, <laughs> this, so, so kind of what, what I'm picking up again is a sort of destabilization of centralized politics, economics, you know, like there's, there's a destabilization of the power isn't, it's soon to not just be held by the few, right? That's yeah. kind of what I'm picking up. Yes. What what do you think is the future of that? And I, and I promise this is my last question, but I love what I'm hearing. So that's a philosophical question because yeah. then it, it forces you to think really. I mean, with with boundaries being being shattered. Yes. With um, like I start when we started off and we said pop culture is 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 global now. So what does that then mean for? the future in terms of um, our ideals. So for instance, I mean, there's certain countries that are still closed in. Um, so the, the communists um, still think in a particular way, but more and more with people finding creative ways. So if you're in China, if you have a VPN, you can, you can, find, you can find creative ways. So all these, all these ideas that were rammed into you as you were growing up begin to be challenged. And so my philosophical view is then you begin to have a flat view of things. Yes. Is that we, have, we begin to have a global philosophy 
of what of of how things should be. Now the question is who's the, who 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 owns the who's holding the microphone, and whose microphone is loudest, so that that will then proliferate globally. Globally, that's my fear. That the one and then there's AI, which the question around is 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 there really something called um, beauties in the eyes of the beholder? Do you actually have choice anymore? Because uh, it's really about what I flash at you, Robert, every morning in front of your computer. Right. That's what's gonna become how you think. That algorithm. Yeah. Yes. So that's what I fear. That the more that boundaries are being obviously shattering, but then, then that person who has a very loud microphone will push mm. his ideals globally. Yes. And depending on whether or not that person is a good person or a bad person, or if their values are, then that becomes mainstay. That's my view, Martin. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. It's it's um, it's it's a good thing and a dangerous thing at the same yes. time. Um, and so, it, the, the same speed with which I am able to take control of the narrative is the same speed at which whoever is receiving the narrative needs to be able to digest it and make decisions on it. And so, as an individual, if I am not reading, I will get lost. If I am not consuming. Um, information for myself and getting to a place where I can actually make decisions for myself and not by the narrative owner, then I will get lost in this whole myriad of change. And, you know, it will be, I'll be a zombie, really. Yes. Well, what's, what's interesting is we're starting to see countries like, for example, in India, there's a farmer's protest happening right now. And the, 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 the Indian government has responded by trying to take control of the internet. And that's, that's kind of my concern, right? Is that governments will s- start to try and control the accessibility of individuals of accessing the internet and thus information. Sorry, Chris, well, you're going to say something. It's happening a lot in so this just uh, Uganda just did the elections that the president mm. Museveni shut down the whole internet infrastructure. Yeah, in Ethiopia they do that all the time. There's constantly a state of emergency, so they always pull down the wires. So that's just, uh, and this is in the, some of the more extreme countries, obviously, yeah. but that is, I mean, who's to say it can't also land in, in Canada one day when you have a guy who's less likable than Trudeau. If, well, and, and that's just it, right? If it can happen, like this is what I'm understanding of history and, and of our consciousness, social consciousness. If it can happen there, it can happen yeah. here. Well, the same right? human is the same human there. Exactly. Right. And, and that's why this is such a beautiful age that we live in is because I can look at you guys or other podcasters or, or like minded people as those are those are the people that I look at. Those are my leaders versus my the political leader of my city who's just a lobbyist who just takes cash outs from taxi cab companies or whatever. You know what I mean? Like when else has that ever happened that I can reach out across the world in a second? Hmm. right i mean it's scary the, it it is it's it's uncertain yeah, right? it's uncertain. yeah. yeah. so guys thank you man thank you so much for your time um and uh you know we, we, we we've got to do this again absolutely i've enjoyed talking to you robert thank you me as well thank you it's chris been great thank robert you. thank you it's been great thank you guys all right. Let us know is, um, all the best with this episode. Yes. Yeah. Thank you.
Once again, that was Chris Otundo and Martin Openda from African Retooled talking a lot about how where we are in human history, this moment in time, we need to work together to continue to move forward. Our, uh, our, our destiny, our future rests on it. The generations that will come after us depend on us coming together to create practical solutions for the very real problems that are facing us today, such as climate change and the volatility of, of the markets and the stories of the markets that we have uh, kind of rested our laurels on. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. Have a wonderful day. Thank you again for listening. I'm Robert Grant, and I'm probably wrong about everything.